Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adel Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning and welcome to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. I am Adel Kozilski and sitting in the steering seat with me is my co-host Fagy. Good morning. Good morning, Adel. And I will talk to you on your new addition, your grandson. Yes, thank you. And uh, sadly, we had to land up missing uh, last week's show, which I, w- I was quite devastated. Though I'd, I, I, I think I called it correctly that they were would not to be happy if I was going to broadcast from uh, from the maternity ward. <laughs> <laughs> it would have probably been from the car to the maternity ward at the yeah, exactly. stage of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but you've done that well, Peggy. You, you've done it for a number of times. I should have actually got lessons from you. Uh, COVID teaches you a lot of things. Indeed, indeed. And we're always learning things from COVID. I've got to tell you that one of the interesting things I learned about COVID and, uh, you know, trying to enter into hospitals, et cetera, et cetera, was a, was a completely new experience. Um, but it was, it was interesting how people reacted, are reacting to this entire pandemic. And I'm sure our guest can also weigh in, uh, today. But there was either people who are still sitting in a state of absolute terror, anxiety, fear, and then other people who have like met it head on and are doing what they have to do and trying to make, you know, everything as pleasant as possible. And the dichotomy was very, very clear for me, you know, um, in choosing, you know, should I like just like get myself into a complete stressful state or should I just go with the flow? Um, I chose the latter. We see, that, we see that in every area. It's actually fascinating to see the different approaches people have. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's it's interesting now, and I guess it's fortuitous um, by divine providence that today we're talking about our endocrine system. Um, and like a lot of people don't hear too much about the endocrine system because we're just so focused, number one, on COVID, COVID, COVID. And then after that, all the other like major things like heart disease and, and cancer and, uh, you know, those that, that kill us a lot. But the, our endocrine system is actually a fantastic and an intricate system. And I think more and more, um, functional medicine and integrative medicine is, is coming to see that the endocrine system, because it's a, a chemical messenger system and it provides so many feedback loops that behind even the biggest of diseases and even, dare I say, even COVID, when, when, when our endocrine system, when our stress hormones are fine and everything else is running fine, our immunity is up and we can weather a lot more. And so we are going to have an incredible uh, discussion. I'm really excited about it and we have none other than Dr. Riaz Matara, who um, we have had the fortunate privilege of having on um, previously, and we are going to be just dis- discussing what the endocrine system is all about, what is adrenal fatigue all about, how does it affect menopause, what are all the other things that we can find um, that you know that 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 affects us when our adrenal system has gone a little haywire. So we'd like everybody to stay tuned. If you'd like to join the conversation, it's three four five one nine. That's our SMS number. Oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine is our Telegram number. This is the Healthy You Wealthy You Show with Adol Kasulski and Fagy Stern. 
And so as mentioned before the break, we are talking the endocrine system and it gives me much pleasure to welcome Dr. Riaz Matara back again. For those who don't know, he is a cardiologist in South Africa and he has a specific interest in preventative cardiology and cardiac endocrinology. He's a pioneer behind the Women's Heart Clinic and he practices a lot of integrative medicine. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Adel and Peggy. And once again, Mazel Tov. Uh, on the birth of your grandchild, and thank you for having me today. Thank you, and thank you for joining us. We are really, really privileged, and I'm, I'm really excited about this, and so is Peggy, in talking about the endocrine system. For the listeners out there who aren't 100% sure what the endocrine system is and how it works, can you help us with a brief overview? Yes, so the endocrine or hormonal system uh, comprises... Uh, a number of glands that many people may know of uh, in their body. So in your in your brain, you've got a pituitary gland and hypothalamus. You've got a thyroid gland in your neck. You've got your pancreas. You've got your adrenal glands that sit on top of your kidneys. Women have ovaries and men have testes. And the function of these glands um, is really to produce uh, a number of different hormones, which are messengers. Uh, in the body. So they tell the cells of the body what to do next. So we're born with our genes, our genetics, and we have our cells and our tissues and our organs. And the endocrine system almost sits in the middle somewhere uh, where it is the mediator of the messaging to each of the individual cells. So as an example, it would determine things like our metabolic rate, our energy levels, you know, whether we gain or lose weight, and whether you make breast milk uh, uh, after the birth of a baby, uh, whether you have a menstrual cycle, uh, and so on. So uh, the endocrine system comprises a number of glands within the body, and the important thing to understand about the endocrine system is that a thyroid gland, as an example, is not, we wouldn't treat it like your heart, that's an organ. All these glands form one big organ system. Right. So would, would that mean then that just in terms of looking at, at the system as a whole, that um, any, any imbalance in any one can trigger the wrong messages in any of the others, and that's where you start getting the cascade of dis-ease? So that's correct, uh, Idol. I think the mistake that we've made uh, as doctors in the past, is that we, as I said earlier, we treat your thyroid gland like we would treat your heart. But, mm-hmm. you know, the heart is made up of a number of different components. And similarly, with the endocrine system, it's made up of a number of glands. So you actually want to make sure that that entire endocrine system is balanced. And the other important thing to understand about the endocrine system is that When these glands dysfunction, they have common symptoms or similar symptoms. So many people feel it may be their thyroid, yet their thyroid may be normal and their their adrenal glands are dysfunctional. So many of the symptoms that patients present with, such as chronic fatigue and anxiety and tiredness and so on, may happen from any of those or dysfunction or an imbalance in any of those endocrine glands. So if someone comes in with these types of symptoms, what is the process? So the first part would be to take a detailed history and then 
uh, you can do very simple blood tests to get an indication of what each of these glands are actually doing in your body in that moment in time. And we can then classify uh, the severity or the degree of these imbalances from your endocrine glands. And once you get the endocrine system balanced, you cannot believe how much better you feel almost immediately. And within the functional medicine world, are there different types of tests that you would do um, versus not in the functional medicine world? Uh, so, not really. I think it, the tests are very similar to what you would do anyway, but I think for me, it's, you know, you would have to do the right thyroid test. Uh, many doctors or patients have a blood sugar level done, but do not measure their insulin levels, as an example. So, uh, you could have perfectly normal sugar levels, but your insulin levels are very high, something we call insulin resistance, which may then be a marker of a higher risk of developing diabetes in a few years' time. So uh, that's just a simple example. So the tests are actually very or relatively straightforward, uh, but you have to test the entire endocrine system rather than just looking at specific hormones from specific glands. I find it quite fascinating. Every time that I think about it is that um, is it wrong to say, or does it need qualification, that in fact, like the endocrine system is really, like it's 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 it fills the function like of of a brain because if you don't get the messengers working right, then everything else doesn't work right. So like we kind of like, you know, look at diabetes or or, or look at 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 uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome or look at a whole lot of things, and you're kind of like looking at. And what you're seeing is symptomatic, but meantime, you know, the, the, the software behind it it's not, is, is not working. Yeah, you've put it absolutely perfectly, Errol. Uh, so remember that we have two major glands in our brain called the pituitary and the hypothalamus. And that would be almost in uh, computer speak, you're almost like the old mainframe computer, you know. It sits in our brain, and those glands then make hormones that then stimulate all the other glands to function. Now, when you understand the endocrine system, it may be sort of dysfunctional at two levels. Either the gland itself is not working or overworking. So the problem is within the gland itself. Okay? So uh, your thyroid gland is underactive or overactive for whatever reason, and you're producing or underproducing uh, too much or too little of your thyroid hormone. The second major dysfunctional component in the endocrine system is that your glands are actually functioning perfectly normally. You're making enough thyroid hormone or enough insulin, but that hormone cannot then bind to the cell uh, as part of the signaling mechanism, and the cell is then resistant to the effect of that hormone. So typically, as an example, you, you mentioned polycystic ovary syndrome and insulin resistance. What does that mean? Insulin resistance. Doctor, can I, can, I, can I pause you there just for one minute? Sure. We are going to go for a bit of an ad break for those that have just tuned in. We are talking about the endocrine system and how, how brilliant it is in, in regulating our body if you'd like to join the conversation. 34519-061-895-1019. This is your opportunity to ask a question or make a comment. We'll be back shortly. 
This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back, and we are discussing the endocrine system. And uh, just before the break, we were we were starting to zoom in on 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 specific. Uh, uh, problems in the endocrine system, Dr. Matara. Can we talk about um, insulin because it's 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 very interesting. I always find it an interesting thing that if you go for an insulin resistance blood test, your medical aid will not pay. They'll pay if you check your sugar, and that's you know really something that everybody checks. And as you correctly said, you know people should look at insulin resistance. And maybe in the discussion of insulin resistance, when one has that, what what effects does it have on the body? And you know what can it cause, and you know what what disease can it cause? So insulin is quite a fascinating hormone, Adel. I mean, it, it's known as an anabolic hormone, which is a building up hormone. So it 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 helps the sugar get into the cell and be stored within the cell. And going back thousands of years, when we went through mass starvation periods and we didn't live beyond the age of 30, our body had to develop a mechanism to store fat as an energy source for lean times. But now that we live many years longer, that same adaptive response that was designed to protect us is actually what gives us things like diabetes. So uh, you're born with, as you know, two types of diabetes. The one where you the type one, where your body doesn't make insulin, and then the resistant form or type 2 form of where the cells are resistant to the effect of insulin. So insulin cannot bind to its receptor on the surface of the cell. So can't send a signal into the cell to absorb or take up the glucose and store it within our cells. You have the glucose levels then are high and circulate for a longer period in our blood. And all that the pancreas thinks is, hang on, I didn't make enough insulin. So it starts overproducing this hormone, and the excess insulin then takes the excess glucose and converts it into fat, which is then stored centrally in our body. Now, we see almost every second young person today with some degree of insulin resistance. In young men, we call that metabolic syndrome, and young women, we call it polycystic ovary syndrome. And, I mean, you know uh, that in polycystic ovary syndrome, um, you know, there are so many different features that young women present with. Mm -hmm. I had a PCOS myself, actually, many years ago, and I I also had those issues, and I was either, you know, I think I mentioned this on the radio before, whether I had to take the metformin or go on a diet, and I did the diet and completely cured it. Yeah, so the, it depends on the uh, severity of the polycystic ovary syndrome. It may be very mild in some young women, but also very severe. And, mm-hmm. you know, with polycystic ovary syndrome, it drives the microcyst formation. That's why it's called polycystic in the ovaries. Uh, the menstrual cycle may be irregular. You produce too many androgens or male hormones, and that's why you may have an oily skin, oily hair, excess hair growth elsewhere on your body and uh, weight gain, but also a higher chance of infertility. So, you know, and it's, you know, there's many reasons why we think that it's such a common problem today. In young men, 
they lose their hair at an earlier age, they have more acne, they gain weight, and they have lower sperm counts with a high risk of inf male infertility. So it's a common, common, common problem, and I think it goes back to our last discussion that we had around, uh, largely around, mainly around nutrition, or what's available for people to eat or not eat today in the world. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Um, in terms of, of insulin resistance, um, is that always a starting point in the endocrine, or there could be other things that would tend to lend to insulin resistance? So it, insulin resistance may occur on its own. It's probably the commonest condition that we see in the endocrine system today. But you may have, it may never be just one gland like the pancreas that is dysfunctional. Many patients have more than one gland uh, at a time that's dysfunctional. So we, we're seeing an epidemic of underactive thyroid glands or hypothyroidism. Um, often when they have insulin resistance, there may be issues at either the level of the adrenal glands and the ovaries or the adrenal glands and the testes in females and males respectively. But it can, it's, it's often never just one gland that causes the problem. So holistically, what is the best way to, to deal with the insulin resistance? So insulin, again, it would depend on the severity of the insulin resistance. But ultimately, you want to look at your nutrition correctly and look at the amount of refined sugars and starches that we're eating, as well as the omega-6 content in all the grain-fed animal products and seed oils that we consume. So those are probably, and then micronutrient deficiencies. So at a nutritional level, those are the three factors that contribute to a higher risk of developing insulin resistance. Then depending on how severe it is, Patients may go onto a medication called metformin, which is an insulin sensitizer. It sensitizes or the makes the cell or the receptor on the surface of the cell more sensitive to the effect of the insulin. So, uh, and then there are other newer medications that are currently available. Uh, these are usually injectables. Uh, but would have to be determined uh, if we're not succeeding with the patient. And there are other newer medications that we can add on uh, to something as simple as diet and the metformin therapy. Sure. Can, can we talk a little bit about adrenal fatigue? You hear that a lot now, you know, that your, your adrenals are fatigued. What, what causes adrenal fatigue and what do we do about it? So uh, you're absolutely right, Freddie. Adrenal fatigue is probably, we see this in almost 80 to 90% of people today. Mm -hmm. So patients come in and they say, uh, you know, I'm feeling tired in the late afternoon and evenings. I'm irritable. I crave for chocolates or sweet things at night. I can't tolerate noise or bright lights very well. I have headaches. I'm suffering with more anxiety. I have dark greens around my eyes. My eczema is getting worse. These are common symptoms of uh, what patients would, would present with, which ultimately turns out to be adrenal fatigue. So the adrenal glands, again, are interesting. I think there's a reason why God gave us two adrenal glands that sit on top of our kidneys and not one. And our adrenal glands make our stress and our anti-stress hormone. So on the one side, it's making adrenaline, uh, which is our stress hormone. 
that increases our heart rate, it increases our blood pressure, it keeps us alert. The same adrenal glands also make two crucially important anti-stress hormones called cortisol and DHEA. So cortisol is your natural cortisone. And all of us as adults should be making roughly the equivalent of 7.5 milligrams of a cortisone tablet naturally in our bodies every day. So when we face with chronic stress from in our environment, uh, and those can be many reasons for that chronic stress, we overproduce the stress hormone and our body can't keep pace with making enough of these anti-stress hormones and they go down. And that's all that adrenal fatigue is. So in the past, people talk of yuppie flu and Emmy syndrome and blamed it on things like Coxsackie virus and Epstein-Barr virus. So the Coxsackie and the Epstein-Barr virus never caused the problem. They were the effect of having low anti-stress hormones. And as a consequence, your immunity is lower and your, your energy levels are lower and you can't cope with the degree of stress in your environment anymore. So if we, if we zoom in, we, we would say that the, the, the pancreas, um, that, that is really lifestyle. That's the, the, the overindulgent way we are eating the, the amount of refined sugars. That's really like one of the major contributing factors is what we eat. When it comes to the adrenals, it's the way we are coping with life. And undoubtedly, if you like take both of them together, you're actually creating quite a storm in your body. If you're like walking around stressed and pushing out the stress hormones all the time, eating badly at the same time, then I guess we could say no wonder today that, you know, we, we have such a, a sick society. Absolutely, Faye. You've got you've hit the nail on the on the head, so to speak. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, if you just take uh, the entire COVID crisis that you were talking about uh, earlier, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, to sort of give you some interesting statistics around that, when the entire lockdown started, remember that almost sixty percent of people prior to COVID were already feeling anxious and stressed and, and feeling uh, tired. Um, with COVID arriving, okay, this just jumped astronomically. And people went or people adopted more bad habits uh, during this, uh, this, this uh, lockdown. So some people became healthier, but most people uh, became unhealthy. And 80, almost 80% turned to unhealthy food. 20% of people turn to alcohol, 20% turn to smoking, 60% turn to smoking cannabis, and 65% of patients admitted to neglecting their health. So when you look at all these lifestyle factors, on top of all the other fear that was associated with this COVID crisis, then you, you know we can understand what it's going to mean for people's well-being. Sure. It's, it's quite fascinating. I, I, I've been saying for a very, very long time that uh, COVID is a gift to us. It's actually something that, that is trying to bring to our attention how badly we have been living. In fact, one of the interesting things that um, I followed during, during this whole COVID um, epidemic was, uh, I can't remember the name of the doctor. He's a, a big doctor in Cape Town in one of the hospitals. And he was talking the same lines as you, and he was saying, you know, we, it was during the lockdown five, and he said, you know, now the government is saying they're going to be 
helping those that are underprivileged and those that can't get food and they're dropping food packages. He says, but what are they putting in the food packages? Coke and bread and, you know, a, a whole lot of stuff that is just actually going to make the population sicker as opposed to giving them foods that will, you know, bring down the stress level, bring down the insulin resistance and, and, and give them a, like a healthier outlook. And it was actually quite a fascinating comment. So that, that's correct, uh, Edel. And I think, you know, I think we, we live in a very difficult world for most people at the moment. Unfortunately, eating healthy food has become an expensive story for most people. Yeah. You know? So, so the food that is available, that is mass produced because there's just so many people on the planet at the moment, uh, unfortunately doesn't contain uh, the right amount of micronutrients that's fresh and it contains far too much sugar. Now, I mean, if you look in America, almost all foods contain some form of cornstarch or sugar, you know, and, 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 and it's all, uh, a lot of the food is produced from grain, which is a, an omega-6 rich fat which our body can't tolerate. And then we're eating far, 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 far too many uh, carbs. So an interesting statistic is that prior to World War II, the average human consumed roughly two kilograms of sugar per year, mainly in the form of honey. The average human on, an, on a Western diet today consumes roughly 80 kilograms of sugar per year. 8-0. Oh. 8-0. Okay. Oh, wow. And I mean, that is a serious amount of sugar for our body to contend to manage. And we can then understand why we're sitting with a bigger pandemic of uh, obesity and childhood obesity and childhood type 2 diabetes. We never saw this form of resistant form of diabetes in children before. And uh, as I said, this is what we're going to be faced with uh, currently and going forward in the world. Sure. Absolutely. That's a fascinating Dr. Matara, can I ask you a little bit about the thyroid and go on to a little bit about Hashimoto's and, in a way, why it's so underdiagnosed? So thyroid uh, is probably one of the commonest conditions today that we uh, see, baby. And, uh, you know, we're not really sure of the reasons. I think, again, it may be related to something in our food, some form of pesticide or toxin uh, or additive in our food that may be uh, causing this other epidemic of an underactive, uh, of underactive thyroid or hypothyroidism. Okay. Um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis uh, was named after a Japanese guy uh, many years ago who, who wrote about it. And thyroiditis or itis means inflammation of the thyroid. So the way in which develop this thyroiditis is we perhaps get a viral infection like the common flu and our body makes antibodies to the virus and for some reason those antibodies also then don't think our thyroid belongs to us. So it's almost an immune form of uh, an immune reaction of where our body attacks our own thyroid gland. So initially that thyroid gland may be overactive, but over time, the thyroid gland will become eventually underactive. Okay? And again, the symptoms of an underactive thyroid versus chronic fatigue syndrome are almost essentially the same. Yes. 
Okay. Very, very interesting. Um, if anybody would like to join this conversation, 34519-083-695-1019. We're going to go for a little bit of an ad break. And since you've all gone um, publicly uh, wish me mazel tov, and that I have a grandson means that uh, I'm a granny. And I'd love to talk about menopause now and what happens to our whole endocrine system as we age. So don't go away. We'll be back soon. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back. We're talking about all things endocrine. Dr. Matara, let's talk about menopause. I guess because I'm a woman, I'm concerned about that. But just overall, generally, what happens as we age and our glands don't function as well? Like what effects do we see then? I'll, I'll just before we even go into the menopause, it's important to understand how this all works, how do we age? So we grow up until the age of 18, and then we sort of plateau from 18 to 28 to 30. And after the age of 30, generally we start losing 1% of an organ function per year. So by the time we get, take your kidneys as an example, by the time you get to 60, we would have lost a third of our kidney function. So we don't, our hormones are not low, because we age. We age because our hormones are low. Okay? That's an important thing for, for people to uh, understand that concept. Now, when you look at things like the menopause, it's not just women that have a menopause. Men also go through something called the andropause, and it happens 10 years earlier for men, between the ages of 35 and 45, and generally, women go through the menopause between 45 and 55. Now that's so interesting. At least we can hang our husbands <laughs> on something now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a fascinating thing, the male menopause, you know, because most, almost all women know they're going to have a menopause because women talk about it. You read about it in magazines. You've heard it from your mom. And men don't talk about it, okay? And I mean, we, because we don't have high estrogen levels, we don't have... Uh, you know, major symptoms like hot flushes that then give us an indication that I may be going through the menopause. So men present very, very differently to women. You know, we call it midlife crisis. Most people will say, oh, he's going through a midlife crisis at the moment. But, you know, what does that actually mean? And I think it's a fascinating topic for men to understand because it's so easily correctable as well. So, so what, what, what actually happens now? So basically every year I'm losing like 1% of my functionality. What does that mean? Uh, but, but, like, what should one do? How can one prevent it? Or is, is, there, it like, is there a way of supporting it? Yes. So, so it's not the fact that we're aging, Adel. It's the rate at which we age. Okay. Mm-hmm. So some, that's why you can look at somebody who's 60 who looks absolutely amazing for their age group. And then you can look at somebody who's 40 who looks like they're 60, you know. So why do people age at different rates? And it's largely got to do with these imbalance in our hormonal profile uh, at a much earlier age because of all the factors that we spoke about earlier, such as poor diet and stress uh, that affects us. And at some people have to just deal with so much today compared to what they've had to deal with in the past. So if we take uh, um, men as an example, let's quickly talk about the male menopause and then I'll tell you what we can do. So 
when, as men, when we're 18 years old, we have very high testosterone and we have low estrogen. So remember that men and women have exactly the same hormones. It's just the concentrations that are different. So men have high testosterone and low estrogen when they are younger. Between 35 and 45, our testosterone may drop and the estrogen may rise. So the ratio changes and becomes narrower. And men present with unique symptoms. Many men feel like they want to be alone for, for unusual reasons. They can't explain it. They feel like they've had their marriage and their kids. That's the time most men will either have an affair or get divorced in that period of their life. That's the time you start developing breast tissue, higher body percentage, fat, uh, low energy levels, our libido is lower. And most men will then either go and buy the Harley Davidson or the sports car <laughs> or invest in multiple new businesses that will fail. Okay, so, <laughs> so that's that will happen because we feel like we need to get back our, where we were before and we just can't understand what's going on physically with our bodies. Wow. After age of 55, uh, the testosterone drops even more and the estrogen rises even more. So if you look at a male after 55 and if you look at a woman after her menopause, the estrogen levels are almost very similar. Okay, So as men, we become more female in our attitudes and our behavior as we get older. So now we're bald, we've got a big book of a tummy, our sexual function's gone completely out of the window, and we develop what we call the grandpa effect. More likely to retire, we're not taking risks, uh, you know, we become sensitive and all of that. So it's not, it may happen later for some men, and it may happen earlier for some men, exactly like the menopause in women. But all of that can be easily measured and balanced out quite easily. For women, the average age of menopause in South Africa is 48, but it can happen anywhere between the ages of 45 and 55, and as I said, it can happen earlier or later uh, in, um, in, in, in a few women. Typically, women have estrogen, or all women have estrogen and progesterone, and that's going along nicely to give you a cycle. And in the perimenopausal period or premenopausal period, that can last anywhere between two and five years before you're actually menopausal, okay? The progesterone goes down first. So you have high estrogen and low progesterone levels. This is what we call estrogen dominance. And in that perimenopausal period, uh, this high estrogen may cause breast lumps. It can cause fibroids in your uterus. Uh, you have severe premenstrual symptoms all of a sudden, like breast tenderness, lower abdominal cramps, cravings, irritability, all of that in the premenstrual period. Now, the important thing of why this period is so important is that progesterone as a hormone makes something that's absolutely crucial to your health. And progesterone makes another hormone called cortisol, which is your natural cortisone that we spoke about earlier. So it's almost a double whammy for women during the menopause because it's not just the lack of estrogen and progesterone, but what progesterone makes. And then finally, uh, you know, your estrogen goes down. Uh, when the estrogen goes down, that's when all the typical symptoms of the menopause may appear, so such as hot flushes and emotional ability and osteoporosis and a high risk of heart disease 
and so on. So, and it's important to understand that every woman will have an individual response and a manifestation of the menopause. It's never the same or identical in two women. Sure, this has been, uh, I'm like, I'm singing up, got, got, yeah, completely <laughs> fascinated and gobsmacked. I mean, obviously, as a woman, I understand more, uh, the, the, the menopause. I love, I love the, the male, the male, <laughs> the male menopause. Maybe now we understand a little bit more, Adel. <laughs> yeah, like, I wish I'd known about 10 years ago, you know, no, no, no. we're going to go for a little bit of an ad break and unfortunately we're going to have to wrap up. Um, if anybody would like to, uh, Join the WhatsApp group that Fabi and I run. You are most welcome. You can send an email to info at highfm.com with your name and your WhatsApp number, and we will join you onto the group. Um, every single day, we post a little tidbit about living a little bit more healthier and a little bit more conscious about how we are actually creating our own health. So don't go away. We'll be back soon. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We've been speaking about the endocrine system, and I think the one question that needs to be asked, and maybe this can be the wrap-up question, Dr. Matara, should a person be checking themselves like every single year if they don't have symptoms or only when symptoms present themselves? Like I kind of feel that, now, looking back on my life, it could have probably been many, many times that I should have been tested, diagnosed, and corrected myself much quicker, but it was just never, ever brought to my attention. Yes, um, this is, a, again, a very interesting question as to, you know, what is the right age or when should we start checking? So, firstly, you know, the discussion, I think, or the concept is moving away from health or health care or sick care to one of well-being okay, going forward. And um, for me, it's, you know, you should be starting almost from the age of 30, you know, depending, some, it may be younger in some patients, depending on what they present with, but generally from the age of 30, as we start aging, you almost want to start making sure uh, that, you know, your endocrine system is balanced, uh, that your nutrition is getting sorted out, that we learn from a younger age how to deal with emotional trauma and stress uh, from, a very, from a very different conceptual point of view. And, you know, I believe that you start early. The earlier you start, the better it is because you can't prevent somebody from aging at this stage. I mean, that hasn't been worked out yet. There's a lot of work that's been done at a genetic level and cell level, but that hasn't been... Uh, it hasn't been, uh, you know, it hasn't, it's not done properly yet. So yes. I think all that we can do at this stage is understand that we are aging, but let's age at an age-appropriate rate rather than at a much faster rate. So many patients, as an example, that we see, they may be 40, but have the hormonal profile of somebody who is 75. So yes. the physical body that works on concentrations of these various hormones... Okay, And if you have the physiological level of somebody much older, your body begins to age at the rate of somebody who is much older. And if you correct it early enough and if you maintain that optimal balance, you can then age at an age-appropriate uh, rate and you're less likely then to develop many of these chronic diseases. 
Well, there you have it. Uh, it's been an, a fascinating and awesome uh, uh, show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned a tremendous amount. And Dr. Matara, thank you for your valuable, valuable time. We really do appreciate you coming onto the airwaves uh, with us and educating us, I think, in something that is just so, so important. Thank you very much for your time. Once again, uh, Adel and Peggy, thank you so much for having me uh, on board, and please enjoy every moment with your grandson. Thank you. Thank you, Peggy. You stay thank well. Thank you, Dr. Matara. Thank you, Adel. We'll Bye-bye. be back same time, same place. Um, please go out next week, and uh, if you, again, want to stay tuned to what we're doing and what we're saying, you can send an email to info at highfm.com with your name and your cell number, and we'll gladly join you um, on the WhatsApp group. Until then, have a super-duper healthy and beautiful week ahead.